does. Austin. I, uh, I had no idea what I was going to say when I walked in here, of course, so that's normal. But I do have a few notes um, I took during worship. But mainly, this is, a, this is a thank you to everyone who's been a part of this house and everyone that has been a part of my life. Uh, 20 years ago, um, weird enough, the stage was over there. And I think there was a drum booth in the corner, and this place was a lot different. I don't even think this this half the building over there is not even there. So, um, but 20 years ago, we honored my dad, which at that time I was eight years old, um, passing because of cancer, and um, we honored him right here in this church. And I have since grown up in this church, and I'm not going to say without a father because this this place and my father has been my father. And I am so thankful of that. It is incredible to me that I have, I I discovered by watching my dad when I was, we started coming here when I was two. It was like six months after we arrived. And so we started coming here and I grew up watching my dad and my stepmother and my grandmother and everyone worship, um, truly, truly worship. And I learned that from them. And, and if, you know, I've not stopped doing that, of course. But um, we, there's only six chairs here. I was actually counting nine. But the nine chairs in the back row represent the nine people that were solid in my life when, when my dad passed. And um, unfortunately, none of the nine of them are here this morning. But, you know, that happens. Um, it's just part of life, um, whether they move or decide that it's hard to come back to a place to where someone close to you, you know, was honored and died, because I know every time I walk in here, every time I walk through those doors, I think of him, and I think of the legacy that he's left, and um, and I hope that I can live with that, and uh, Pastor Todd, you've been incredible in my life, you've been a great, great blessing, and Pastor Hank and Rhonda, you guys are amazing, and uh, I thought about getting you something, but I didn't, I, I couldn't afford what I wanted to get you, so... Um, you you are just incredible, and without you guys, that is. Uh, I think we have a date night tomorrow night, so fifty bucks goes towards that. So, um, but it's incredible. Um, Pastor asked me to think of a song, and oh, there's pictures. Yeah, that's right. There's a couple of pictures that I had forgotten, and that's the day I was born, and my dad holding me, and and um, he was. A He's incredible. Um, I I remember a few things about my dad, but I don't remember more of what people tell me. People tell me stories and and say, well, this is what he did, and this is what who he was. And uh, this is just a few months before he uh, passed away. My grandmother forced us to go take that picture, and uh, it's hung in my bedroom ever since. So it's incredible. And then I think there's one more of my of his dad and me, and so the three of us. So is incredible, and, um, but I do, Pastor asked me to think of a song, I guess, um, Judy Jacobs, uh, Let the Veil Down, Let the Praise Go Up, Perry Stone wrote it, didn't he, and she put it on a CD or something, it, that was probably his most, in, my favorite song, and so I do remember that, and then um, last week he put on my heart, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 
um, which, of course, he put it on my heart Saturday, and then pastor set up in the pulpit Sunday because that's who God is. Uh, but it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that is exactly what he's done. That is exactly what he's done to the T. There's a, there's a story that I asked Pastor to share, and I don't know if he's going to fit in this sermon or not. But it was a story that he told at my dad's funeral. And it relates to uh, centers around John 3.16. And as I was praising this morning, I started thinking about that story and thinking how much it tied into the plans I have for you. Because as, as you will hear it later on, it didn't matter what the future was for this, for this kid. It only mattered that God had the plans for him. And so everything just kind of ties together into a nice, neat little bow. And once again, thank you guys for everything. And thank you for everyone that's ever been this church and is here now. Because you pour into my life, even watching you on Sunday mornings, you pour into my life every day. Thank you. Love you so much. Very rare in the world today to have a 28-year-old virgin. But Austin is a virgin, drug-free, alcohol-free. 28, the, the, the time that he's been in our life has just been a a wonderful tribute to this church. And uh, just to brag on him, he really felt like that television was a door that he felt comfortable with. And uh, he has certainly enhanced our video productions here, Queen for a Day, uh, Esther Project, our, our, our different events that he records. But uh, for years, Austin volunteered at the television station uh, pro bono. That's, that's where his heart was. And uh, was so faithful and so consistent that when an opening came up, the television station hired him to take that role. And that's tenacity, and that's faithfulness, and that's that's like a bulldog getting hold of something and refusing to let it go. You know what? We could we could go home right now and celebrate. And it's been a great day so far this morning. But I I believe that uh, God has a word for this house. If you'll go with me to Luke, the 15th chapter. As Austin mentioned, the past several weeks we've been talking about leaving a legacy, determining your purpose, and fulfilling your destiny. Yesterday we had a very interesting conversation at breakfast. Every other Saturday, uh, several of the guys get together and we just fellowship and, and, and uh, eat good and, and uh, sit around and just visit a little bit. And we, ter- we determined yesterday that regardless of what race or gender or tribe you happen to be from, we have determined that everyone in this house, everyone in this city, everyone in this state, everyone in this nation, everyone in this world has something in common. And that is the DNA of God. When God breathed upon Adam the blood, Ben Adam, the man of blood, when he breathed that blood into the lifeless form of Adam, and Adam came to life, he came to life with the blood of God. The blood of God visited us that day when Mary told the Holy Spirit, be it according to thy word. The Holy Spirit breathed upon the womb of Mary, and the DNA of God again was transferred. So everyone this morning has in your, your psyche in your zoe and your soma, your body, soul, and spirit, every one in this house has a seed. And we've learned that faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed, which is not very big, can move a mountain. 
And so when you realize the seed, the potential that's on the inside of you, Jesus told Nicodemus, a very wise man, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how, how shall this take place? Shall a man enter again into his mother's womb? And obviously that's impossible. And uh, Jesus said, no. But Jesus said, in you is that seed for eternity. And so I believe everyone in this house has tapped into that seed, has confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and are now the family, part of the family of God. Eternal security is promised that we will live forever, that we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ forever. But I believe that life is more than just a confession that Jesus is your Savior. I believe that life is more than a confession or acknowledgement that Jesus is your Lord. I believe that every single one of us, without exception, from the youngest to the oldest, and we look and see how God uses children, Samuel, at the age of 12, heard the voice of God when no one else heard it and acknowledged it. Moses, at the age of 80, heard the voice of God when no one else heard it through the burning bush. I believe that God has spoken to every one of us here today concerning our purpose and our destiny. And you might be at a place where you feel like that you're too old to pursue your purpose. And I know you probably get tired of hearing the story of Colonel Sanders, but at the age of 67, he birthed his first business, and from there, it's just gone crazy. You're never too young to be a part of what God wants you to do, to be a part of, of, of your legacy and your purpose and your destiny. And uh, this past week on Facebook, somebody had uh, made me aware of something that I wanted to share with you uh, concerning Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was a, uh, a champion of men. Winston Churchill was the prime minister of England when Germany, uh, dozens of times a day, were bombing England, bombing London, ravishing the city with, with war. Every day at a certain time, Winston Churchill would come on the radio with a positive word, a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of destiny. And the nation began to look forward to that moment and hear his voice and hear his words of encouragement. And of course, London survived. World War II, and today England's one of the strongest countries in the world. But Winston Churchill was one of those guys who would remind you of modern-day Robin Williams. When Robin Williams filmed Mork and Mindy, what, there was no script. He did it all ad-lib, a mind like a computer. Another man that had the ability to focus and, and declare with Tim Allen, those of you that are aware of Tool Man, much of that dialogue was ad-lib, that as the moment came, he responded. At one particular setting, Winston Churchill was quite intoxicated, and he noticed there was a member of parliament there, a, uh, a lady member that was looking at him with disdain because he was drunk. And uh, he looked at he, she looked at him and said, she, he looked at her, and let me make sure I get this right. She looked at him and said, you're drunk. And he said, you're right, but you're ugly. And in the morning, I'll be sober. Winston Churchill, at another particular, particular setting, again, was rather obnoxious. And a woman of parliament said to, her, said to him, said, sir, if I was your wife, I'd put poison in your tea. He said, madam, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. Certainly a man of wit. I think the most famous was that in Parliament, which was just one-third full, 
Winston commented that another member of parliament didn't have the brains of a flea. Well, everybody heard to put down, and so they called Churchill on the carpet the next day. Parliament, House of Commons was full because they wanted to see the great Churchill humbled, and Churchill stood up and he said, yesterday I made the comment that this certain constituent, he doesn't have the brains of a flea. He said, I must apologize for since then I've learned he does have the brains of a flea. And, you know, we think about, we think about men like that and statements like that and statements that, that we live by and truths that we live by. And uh, I just found seven life principles that Churchill shared to a nation that was under siege, a nation that had been ravaged and raped, a nation uh, that Germany was trying to destroy. And these are some of, the, some of the truths that he shared in the middle of those storms. The first thing I'd like to share, he made the statement, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. One of my favorite quotes of Winston Churchill, if you're going through hell, keep going. If you're going through hell, keep going. How many can relate? Been to hell and back. But we're back. Look at somebody say, I'm back. I'm not there anymore. God walked me through that. You will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. How true is that? So many people in our life want to hold us back and limit us and say negative things about us. We ignore them because they're not the ones that called us. It was God that called us to this purpose, and we will pursue it. Success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And I got to think about Thomas Edison, who over 900 and some odd times tried to get the light bulb to ignite, and he could not. But the thousandth try, they claim, the light bulb finally worked, and aren't you glad he did not give up in failure, but he kept pushing. Continuous effort, not strength, not intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. Continue effort. Keep pushing. Keep pressing. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An op optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. How powerful is that? It's like two frogs fell into a milk churn. One sank to the bottom and drowned. The other one kept swimming until the milk turned to butter, and he jumped out, and he lived another day. Success is not final. Failure is not final. It's the courage to continue that counts. Remember that success is not final. Failure is not final. It's the courage to continue that counts. Reading from Luke, the 15th chapter, and the 11th verse, Luke has been called, Luke 15 has been called the lost chapter of the Bible. In this chapter, there are three things that are lost. There is a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. Someone left the door open. One of the sheep got out. The shepherd left the healthy 99 and went and found the lost sheep. The second story is a woman that lost her tie. She lost her ability to promote the things of God, and she cleaned house, and she restored her tithe. Tithe is a trust issue. When you bring your tithe, you put trust not just in God that's able to watch over, but the local church that you're a part of. The Bible, the Bible didn't say to mail, or it, the Bible says to bring. So tithing is something that we're a part of, and we support the kingdom of God. The 15th chapter, the 11th verse, talks about the lost son. I do not believe this is a parable because the words very clearly say that there was a father that had two sons. One's older, one's younger. That's pretty obvious if he had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. 
So he, the father, divided them to his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal or righteous living. But famine hit the land, and he began to be in want when he had spent all. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to fields to feed swine. Look at somebody and say, oink, oink. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, don't you love that? But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Bring out the best robe. Look at somebody said the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. Again he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I wrote myself a note here this morning, and it simply says, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have some prodigal in us. Every one of us, in one season or another of life, have done some crazy things in rebellion. It's so easy, like the older brother, if you read the rest of the story, the, other, the older brother had the spirit of religion and begin to criticize what his father had done, begin to criticize his brother, begin to disown his brother, looked at his father and said, your son has done this and done that. But I believe that every one of us here this morning can relate to some bad decisions that we may have made, some dumb things we may have done. And I believe that there are times in our life, younger perhaps, that our values were distorted, our purpose was confused, we had no destiny, we had no vision, and we were in a rut. I remember when I left, when I left the house in college, I remember there was a window there that uh, I became a carpenter, became a journeyman carpenter, became a contractor. But when I was a carpenter working Monday through Friday, we were doing piecework. I wasn't paid by the hours, paid for what I did, and it was paid very well. I remember every Friday around 3 o'clock, we would put the skill saws up, put the chainsaws up, and we would go to town because we got paid, and we would buy a case of Michelob or Coors or whatever, whatever it was, and we proceeded the next few hours to get toasted. And then we would take the money that we had earned, and we would go to our connector, and we'd buy an ounce of Maui Wowie, or we'd buy a jar of Speed. Or Am I communicating to anybody today? Is everybody here with me today? And that was our goal. That was our value. That was our destiny to make enough money Monday through Friday so that we could go crazy Friday night, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning be broke, busted, and disgusted. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? I believe that every one of us can relate to a, a, an attitude in our life where we really wanted to do our own thing. I saw a bumper sticker that said, hire a teenager while they still know it all. But I believe that 
every one of us have been at that particular place in our life. I, I've shared with this congregation several times when I was a child growing up in the church of God. I literally grew up in a preacher's home. I peeled the gum from the bottom of the pews and chewed it while my parents were cleaning the church. That's all I really knew. I played music in church my entire teenage, my, my, my younger life and my teenage life. I played music every single Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. But when I turned 18, I thought I knew it all. When I turned 18, I thought I had all the answers, and it seemed like that everybody over 30 was old, and their opinion didn't matter. Am I, am I communicating with anybody in the building? And I realized that I made some bad decisions, did some dumb things, and there was a season when you pay for the seed that you sowed, you pay for the webs that you weave. There is a payback. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But aren't you glad that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Aren't you glad that God came to you and turned your life around? Some of us, he didn't just get in the gutter. He got in the three inches of mold that lay below the gutter that's all yucky and cruddy and icky and whatever words you want to use there. And God got right down there in the rut with us, picked us up, washed us with his blood, gave us a new name, gave us a song, wrote our name down in heaven, and now allows us to follow the, the rudiments of the, of the things of the word of God to be all that we can be, to do all that we can do, and to have all that we're supposed to have. Briefly this morning, because I'm limited on time, there are five things that I want to bring to your attention. What happens when the prodigal returns home. The Bible says that when the prodigal realized, and you got to real, and you got to see this with me, this picture with me, his dad gave him a chunk of change. He gave him his inheritance. He also gave the older brother his inheritance also. I wonder if sometimes God gives us that are older an inheritance so we can finance the end time harvest to reach more prodigals for the Lord. Just a thought, just a possibility. But when the younger son got his inheritance, he moved out of Cleveland, and he went to Las Vegas. And man, I mean, he got him a Z28 with 454, 800 horsepower. The headers could blow the doors off of the, the, the Volkswagen next to him. He made a connection, filled his house with all the latest sound equipment, bass speakers that could blow the wings off a helicopter at 300 feet, made the right connection, had Maui, wow, he had the best cocaine, had the best drug. He was the party animal. But the Bible says that when he has spent all, because there's no return in drugs, whatever you spend is like putting in the toilet and flushing. It's lost forever. I, I once said if I had a dollar, can anybody relate? In all areas of life, if I had a dollar for every cigarette ever smoked, hello, uh, I, sure would, <laughs> I sure wouldn't be. I don't know where I'd be, but I probably wouldn't be here. And you look back and you, you, you look back and you add up all the dumb things you did with money that you, you never got a return on, and it was like just a wasted chunk of your life. But things happen in that life that you have a testimony that God gives you the ability to share with others where you were and how you got out, and God uses all that stupid things that we did for his good to turn things around for someone else. And aren't you glad for that, the, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ? But when... When the young man, it kind of alludes here that he's eating this pig slop because the Bible says no one gave him anything. So if he didn't have anything, then he was eating the pig slop that he was actually serving the pigs. And what was so crazy, when you're a, a bar mitzvah Jew, you don't have anything to do with pork. That's, that's a no-no. That's a taboo. That's not kosher. 
So he finds himself doing things that he wasn't raised up to do. He finds himself doing things he wasn't taught to do. That's not, that's not the journey that his parents had for him. That's not the journey that destiny had for him. But he found a distraction, a detour, a dead end. He got off the highway called holiness. He missed, he, he missed it, and he fell, off the, he fell off the wagon. And all of a sudden, he's broke. He's busted, disgusted, has absolutely nothing to his name. He's eating pig slop. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity. It's certainly not a privilege or a blessing to watch what you feed pigs, but stuff that you wouldn't eat, that's what pigs will eat. And then we'll slice ham and bacon and live by bacon, declare it's the next best thing, next to sliced bread. But a, but a, but a, a bar Mrs. Jew did not have a thing to do with swine, and here he is doing things that he was taught that he would never do. Can anybody relate? Can anybody relate? I remember there was a window in my life where I could not get high. I was so frustrated, no matter what drugs I put in my body, no matter what I smoked or shot or, or snorted, I could not get high. And aren't you glad that we come to a place in our life where sin doesn't satisfy anymore? The things of the world don't satisfy anymore. There's no satisfaction because the song says only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can cleanse your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, heaven's joy and heaven too, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. He finds himself in that pig slop, and all of a sudden he remembers his father's house. He doesn't remember it as a son because he's forfeited that privilege. He sees himself as a servant, as a slave, and he begins to negotiate with himself. Can anybody relate? <laughs> I'm good. This is the last joint I'm ever going to smoke. That I'm hello. This is the last Coke I'm good. How many times have we negotiated with ourselves? And set New Year's resolutions, and usually by January 3rd, we say, I'll do it next year. Do I have a friend in the house that can relate? He begins to negotiate with himself, and he said, I can, I, can be a, I can go on, I can get a job with my dad. I can go back. He treats his servants better than I'm, than, I'm, than I'm treated. So he negotiates. He comes up with the plan, heads down that road from a long ways off. His dad sees him because his dad had been sitting on the front porch waiting for him to return. I'm telling you, we don't just have a Savior that shed his blood, but we have a heavenly Father that ever liveth in the mountains of glory, watching over us, just desiring us to come home and be a part of the family of God. The song says, come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. If you're here today and there are people in my life that they feel like God is mad at them, God is not mad at you. God loves you. There are people in my life that because God did not answer a pertinent prayer and they didn't understand the results of that prayer, they, they begin to believe there was no God or declare that God did not exist or God was not love, that God was this or God was that. And I've come to a place, Diane, in my life where I realize the words of the song that say, Father alone will know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. And one day we'll stand before God. He'll tell us why that baby was stillborn. He'll tell us why we forfeited, why we chose. He'll, he'll tell us the answers to questions that we will probably never have here on earth. But there will come a day when every I will be dotted, every T, every T will be crossed, and we will understand it all by and by. So as dad sees him, dad does a Flosbury flop off the porch, clears the rail, 
feet hit the gravel burner, rubber throws gravel all over the porch, blows down the driveway 900 miles an hour, grabs his son, pig slop and all. Hello. No deodorant, no mouthwash, smelly, stinky, grabs him, hugs him, just squeezes him so the snot runs out of his nose. And the boy tries to push his dad back and say, no, dad, I'm not, I'm not your son anymore. I've, 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 I've failed you. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer deserved to be your son. And dad looks at him and said, did I tell you to be worthy? Did I, deserve, did I, do, did, did I require for you to be worthy? You're my son. You were dead. Now you're alive. You were lost, and now you're found. I'm so happy. We're going to celebrate. We're going to party. I mean, we are going to dance like there's no tomorrow. We're just going to have a good time because you were dead, and now you're alive. You were lost, and now you're found. Let me tell you something. Every sinner that comes to the altar, all of heaven celebrates. All of heaven parties. They get out the fine wine, the fine music, and they begin to rejoice over one sinner that repents. And that happened the day that you came to know the Lord. And do you remember that day? Because when the son came to the dad, the dad said, bring the best robe. Isaiah said that we are going to trade beauty for ashes, joy for sorrow, and we're going to take off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of blessing, the garment of praise, the garment of worship. Can you, I don't know if you remember that very moment. Um, I saw something on the news this week that uh, three things that everybody knows what they were doing when it happened the day that John F. Kennedy was killed, the day that Elvis died, and the day of 911. And, and I, I don't really, I, I remember John F. Kennedy. I don't remember Elvis. I remember 911. But can I tell you a day that stands out far more than the assassination of a president? Can I tell you the death of a rock star or a tragedy in New York? That day when I met him at an altar in the good old-fashioned way, and he washed me with his blood, and he clothed me with his spirit, and he put a new song in my mouth, and there is a new name written down in glory. I don't know what that name is. Maybe it's something like Bubba or Henrietta. Who knows what? Who knows what? There's a new name that when God looks at me, he's got a pet nickname just for me, and he has a pet nickname just for you. And do you remember that day when old things passed away and all things become new? Do you remember how happy you were? Remember we sing that song, Ain't No High Like the Holy Ghost High? How many times have we compared buzzes in life and, and, and drunk in life, and we try to compare that to the joy that we have now? There is no comparison. You can compare the things of the world with the things of God. A new song, a new robe, a new, a new garment. Aren't you proud today what God has done for you? I have three minutes, and so I'm not going to conclude this this morning. I'm going to stop right here and finish it next week. If you'll, How many will come back next week if I promise to come back next week, okay, and finish that? That DNA, that, that seed that God put in our heart and put in our spirit is usually ignited with a confession, a knowledge and a confession. When you hear about who Jesus is and what Jesus did and you begin to realize that God is not mad at you, God is not angry with you, God loves you. His heart is full of forgiveness. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans. I know the legacy. I know the purpose. It's a good plan. It's a good legacy. It's a good purpose. Maybe early in life you'll find your purpose and plan. Today, Christine is in Virginia ministering with uh, that, that ministry team. And uh, 15, 16 years old, and she kind of knows the purpose and plan of God. In our life this week, we've been blessed by Wilma all the way from Montana is now pursuing that purpose and that plan. So whether you're 16 or whether you're 35, 
How did I do? I'm at a good 16. That makes that makes uh, Katie about nine. <laughs> but but thank God there is a purpose and there is a plan. If you'll help me with that beautiful music that you had earlier. Several years ago, there was a little boy in freezing cold weather, Detroit, Michigan, on his own, selling newspapers. Standing on the corner of a local neighborhood, there was a very wealthy businessman on his way to the office, saw the little boy on the corner. Noticed the little boy didn't have a heavy, warm coat, didn't have a scarf, didn't have gloves, didn't have a cap. Noticed that there were holes in the little boy's clothing. The man stopped his car and rolled down his window and said, here, son, take this money. I want to buy all your newspapers so you don't have to stand out here and go home and stand by the fire and get warm. And the little boy said, thank you, sir, for buying all my papers. I've never sold them all in a day. But, sir, I don't have a home. I, don't, I have no place to go. When I was very young, my parents were killed in a car accident. And I've been passed from foster home to foster home, from orphanage to orphanage. And now that I'm 12, I just live out on the street. The man said, here, son, take this money. Give me these papers. Son, I want you to go to this house right here in the corner. I want you to walk up the front step, and I want you to knock on the front door. And when someone opens the door, I want you to say three words. John 3.16. So the little boy took the money very carefully. John, he folded it, put it in his pocket. He walked up this beautiful walkway, landscape, beautiful, walks up the beautiful brick steps. And there's a beautiful stained glass window, beautiful front door with a knocker on it. And Mishi very timidly just kind of knocks on the door. And immediately it's opened by a kindly looking woman. And the woman said, hello, son, what can I do for you? And the little boy looked at her and he said, John 3, 16. And the woman threw open the door and said, come on in, son. Go over there and stand by the fire and make yourself warm. He went over and got as close as he could. The fire was roaring. He began to turn. He began, and he realized it was the first time he'd been warm all winter. The woman was in the kitchen for a few minutes. She came back out. She said, son, if you're warm, come here. I got something for you. And there on the snack bar was this huge bowl of soup and a big old stack of crackers and a big old glass of milk. And she said, son, eat all you want. If you eat all this, we've got some more. You just, you just get yourself full. Little boy sat down, ate all that soup, ate those crackers, drank that milk. First time he'd been full in a long time. The, the woman said, son, if you're done, I want you to come upstairs. i got a surprise for you. She led him up this beautiful spiral staircase, beautiful paintings on the, on the wall, led him in this master bathroom. And there was this great big tub full of hot, soapy water. And she said, son, that's your bath. Enjoy it. There you'll notice some clean clothes. Those are yours. Try them on. And just, and just, uh, take your time. Little boy sat in that tub. He sat so long that his fingers started getting wrinkled. And he got out of that tub and he realized that was the first bath he'd had in a long time. He walked outside the bathroom door and there was a woman waiting on him. She said, I want you to come in here. I've got something for you. I said, this bedroom here, this is your bedroom. You're going to sleep here tonight. Matter of fact, the guy you sold your papers to, he called and said he wants you to live with us as long as you want to live with us. So make yourself at home and enjoy a good night's rest. Little boy went to get in the bed and he realized that he needed to stop and just thank the Lord for what had happened. Got down on his knees and was folding his hands and the, the woman forgot to turn the light off so she stepped back in the room to turn the light off for him and she saw him kneeling at the side of his bed praying and she probably shouldn't have listened but she did. 
And she heard the little boy say, God, God, I'm not really sure what John 3.16 says. God, I've never been to church. I've never been around anything like that. But God, I felt like before I lay down and go to sleep, I just need to thank you for John 3.16. God, John 3.16 sold all my newspapers and I got a pocket full of money. God, that has not happened in a long time. God, John 3.16 got me out of the cold and got me next to a warm fire. And John, God, God, John 3.16 got my, my belly full and, 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 and got me this beautiful bath and, and this beautiful bed and, and, a, and a place to live for the rest of my life. And he said, God, I didn't think it was fair for me to go to bed without thanking you for John 3.16. For God so loved the world and everyone in this room that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. I share that story in honor of Tim Chadwick today who is in heaven preparing a place for us. As every head is bowed, bowed as every eye is closed. If you're here this morning and you've wandered away from the Lord and you've wandered away from that fellowship, that joy, that favor, if you've left that window of opportunity, not sure what your destiny, your purpose, if you've come to a place in your life where you really would like to live your life to leave a legacy for so someone could be blessed, but Jesus right now is not the Lord of your, you love him, you believe what the word says, but you're just not really where you want to be with the Lord, and this morning you'd like to take a leap of faith and ignite that little seed, that little DNA in your spirit that's from God. And you'd like to commit that life and that seed to Him. If that's where you're at this morning, would you just put your hand up right back down between you and the Lord and no one else? Is there one? Yes. Is there another? Father, you see these hands that are lifted. And we thank you for your, for your love and your life that you have, you have sheltered and shattered us with. We pray this morning that we would just acknowledge our failures, our mistakes, our sins. We have fallen short of that, of that place that would earn us a home in heaven. But we acknowledge this morning that your son died on the cross for us and shed his blood for us. And we confess those sins and we ask the blood of Jesus to do two things. To wash us of those sins and mistakes and to write a name down in glory. A name that you know that you call out often. Let us not make you just the Savior of our soul, but make you the Lord of our life. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. And they all said, amen.